Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Sheen Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Shane Demon. I'm Father Travis Crowdy. Good to be with you again. Um, Father, it's been a while. I've been out traveling. You have, yeah. I feel like... A little vacation I time. I don't necessarily remember the time when we like kind of cranked out a bunch of podcast episodes, but we did, and then we've had kind of a little hiatus of mm-hmm. recording, so it's good to be back in the saddle. It is good to be back in the saddle. Yes. Where, um, um, where did you go? So I was out east, you know, back east as the... Uh, Martha Vineyard folks say. Uh, I was back east. Um, no, I was out on the East Coast visiting some priest friends, um, some other college friends. Um, landed in Philly, spent a lot of time in South Jersey, uh, which is not perhaps the most iconic, you know, um, vacation destination out there. But we had a lovely time. Yeah, what did you do in South Jersey? Well, we were over in Philly a little bit. Always got to head up the uh, hit up the. Um, Cheese, Tur- the cheesesteak stands. Well, we didn't do that because we had to go way up into Philly. Oh, I've been man. up to Pat and Gino's before, but uh, we did have some nice cheesesteaks down in Wilmington, Delaware. Good deal. But we have always have to hit um, Reading Terminal Market, downtown Philly. Great, like, internal in-house food court in the area. Oh, yeah. um, good. Did you, op- get, did you get anything good? Well, we got some good breakfast at the Amish stand. Oh. Um, huge, huge portions of food. Huge oh, pancakes. Absolutely. Um, like farmer-sized portions. Mm. Um, we were down on the shore in um, Wildwood, um, down by Cape May. None of these. I've never been to the East Coast, so none of these things. That's all right. And then I was up in Brooklyn, Queens, out on Long Island visiting some friends. Oh, cool. Um, it was a nice time. So I, uh, <laughs> this is going to sound really stupid, anybody actually from the East Coast, but, you know. We probably have zero listeners from the East Coast, so go I ahead. I hope we have the one. Um, and if I do a... If I do a silly accent, give me a break. Um, we got to spice it up here in the in the kind of vanilla Midwest. You know? Okay. So, you know, in Sioux City, I mean, being like the booming metropolis of our diocese. So booming. There's not a lot of foot traffic anymore, like hardly at all, just mm-hmm. because everybody drives cars and everybody has cars and there's plenty of room because there's lots of space. But um, as I've mentioned on a previous episode, just in case anybody forgot or anybody hasn't tuned in, um, my moped's back in Sioux City, so yes. that's exciting. You're rocking that. But I was driving around today, and I almost felt like I was experiencing like a, like a, like just like a New York foot traffic, like, hey, I'm walking here, like slam on the hood of the cab or whatever. Did you run someone here. over? No, I almost got ran over. Um, on the moped? On the moped. So I was Must stopped. a big person. I was stopped at a red light with a lot, just like a lot of Midwest space between me and the car in front of me. Okay. And the car in front of me just kind of like, you know, stopped kind of quick when the when the light changed and it was like halfway into the crosswalk. So a lady walking across, I mean like the one street where people walk across the street in, in downtown Sioux City, she just starts yelling at him, like pointing like, You're killing me here. I'm, I'm trying to walk here. I'm walking here. So he starts backing up or she or he, I can't tell in the car. And then and then the lady starts yelling because she's like, you're going to hit this guy on the moped right behind. What so, are you going to do? Yeah. What can you do? So you know, I know. I can't believe up. it. So uh, like, Vinny, like, what are you going to do? What are you doing here? So as I was driving away, I was like, I was walking here. Like, I'm on well, my moped, come on. So um, a little spicy for an afternoon in Sioux City, just uh-huh. like kind of yelling at people in traffic, but you got to do what you got to do. Maybe it was just a random woman visiting from New York. <laughs> yeah. Maybe she's from little. Boston. I don't know. Maybe she was bringing it with her. 
that's interesting. Well, you that's know, you gotta, when you're in a city right, of millions of people, me. you got to defend yourself. You once, you once did a podcast on these obscure foods that were themed after medieval kings or something like that. But um, it was a great episode. Yeah, it was the uh, Ottoman Turkish oh, royal court that's, menu. I'm sorry. Get it straight, I'm father. sorry, I forgot. Get it straight. Um, what was the best thing that you uh, that you had to eat when you were on that trip? This trip out east. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I had a, a rigatoni alla matriciana, Ooh. which is a, just a classic kind of uh, Italian. Kind of like, comfort food a little bit. Well, it's a very big comfort food, and it puts on a lot of calories because it's bacon and tomato sauce <laughs> with some cheese, little yeah. pepper, a little spice. And pasta. <laughs> and a lot of pasta, a lot yeah. of carbs. Ooh. Um, you know, I did have... We were down at a little lobster stand. I didn't get lobster, but I did get some delicious scallops, you know, just oh. like butter. With the like pan seared. That's yeah, really good. Just butter. Love those. They're great. Love good, that. Some good you. chowder. Love that for you. That's mm-hmm. my, I just want everybody to know that's the phrase I hate the most at this time in my life. What is that? So people will say, when you say something like that, oh, I love that for you. <laughs> oh, I love that for you. That's so nice. You're just delighting you. in your experience. Yeah, exactly. That's so it's like a big like Gen Z thing. I love that for you. I'm gonna say that or, to you every day now. You tell me something nice about like our podcast and I say, I love that for us. Like just <laughs> in general. So I can't believe you admitted that because I'm gonna like harass you with that all the time now. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that for you. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't love it for me, but only for you. <laughs> exactly, right. Yeah. See, I don't love it. Like I'm you know, but I'm very tolerant of your love for that. Yeah. <laughs> well, Shane, what are we talking about? Oh, uh, where are we? Besides, We're back like, from the East Coast. Vacation is over. We're back in stuff. the saddle. Um, let's talk about celibacy. Oh, why not? Hey, celibacy. Why not? Celibacy. Okay. Why not? Not to, not to just increase the banter, <laughs> but this is a nice little segue. I once rode the little, and maybe you'll ride this sometime. There's that little government subsidized uh, airline that's like an eight passenger plane that goes from St. Louis to Fort Dodge, Iowa. No longer. Oh, it stopped. They've changed their routing. Oh, so does it, that flight doesn't exist? Nope. Oh, man. So I, I, I flew it one time. But I was in Clerics, and the particular plane I was in, I think was, I mean, I think they probably marketed it as like a, like a personal plane because the two middle seats faced each other like a limousine. Mm-hmm. Look, so, club seating. Uh, exactly. I was like as much distances between the two of us in uh-huh. Clerics with a book. It looked like something off of like, like a sitcom. Like I'm reading this book. I think you might have given it to us. Celibacy, why not? Maybe we got it from Kenrick. I don't remember. It's written by, I think, the rector of the seminary in D.C., uh-huh. Anyways. It was, Carter Griffin? Yeah, it was a wonderful book. But uh-huh. it's just hilarious, the title. Like, I'm, like, sitting there, like, inquisitively reading this book with clerics on celibacy. Why? Why not? Why not? Yeah. Why not? Everyone's doing it. Hmm. Actually, no one's doing it these days. Why celibacy? Hmm. Or maybe that's what it's called. Why celibacy? Anyways. Uh, beautiful book. Let's talk about celibacy. All right. Thank you for your little memory lane moment of your private seater going to Fort Dodge. Thank you for not making fun of my random association of stories. That's all right. <laughs> Anyways, moving on. Uh, I was recently listening to uh, Deacon Jim Keating, formerly of IPF, now down at Kenrick as hey, spiritual director. Hey, let's go Kenrick. Uh, Deacon Keating uh, is one of my favorite preachers in the United States. He says really profound, deep spiritual things in the most hysterically funny way possible that like you can really contain yourself and that you're trying to write down all these wonderful gems to take to prayer later on. And yet like you can't even write cause you're laughing so hard. Cause he's from the East coast. He is. I think he'll, he's from upstate New York. He'll hit you with that strong Irish humor. Oh, he'll hit it. He gave us one talk at Kenrick before we left for COVID mm-hmm. and he just, he like, he drops his like big spiritual bomb and everybody's kind of sitting back. He says, don't be an ass. And just, <laughs> just comes in with the zinger. 
He's really good. Anyways, uh, he was recently speaking, and I was kind of frantically taking notes in the midst of all of my hysterical humor. Um, and he said this about celibacy. Why be celibate? Why give up marriage? Why not have sex all the time like our culture is ever telling everybody to always do? And he says this. Ready for the bomb? Chin strap on? Seatbelt fastened? This is what he said. The celibate priest looks for the source of a woman's beauty in God. Rather than looking at the woman who mediates the source of the beauty through her beauty. Let me say that again, shall I? The celibate priest looks for the source of a woman's beauty in God, rather than looking at the woman who mediates the source of the beauty through her own beauty. So, I mean, he was pointing out that celibacy is not just giving up marriage and sex because it's bad, wicked, terrible. Or you're a loser. Who right, can't get a, can't get a date. Right. Um, no, it's actually striving for something much higher than that, going towards the great source. Um, the celibate's not interested in rejecting the beauty of women. He's not interested in rejecting the beauty of relationship. He's actually seeking a relationship that is transcendent above earthly marriage towards the source of beauty itself. And here's just like a disclaimer, because everybody gets uncomfortable in this language of the church is used about higher vocations, higher callings, just like this language you're using. Mm-hmm. The church has never thought and never taught that because celibates are are aiming for this higher, more transcendent reality that is the source of beauty itself in God, right? In this intentional relationship with Jesus, that they're somehow automatically more holy mm-hmm. than those those lame lay people who just succumb to marriage and like the ways of the world. No. Like, right. That's not what we're thank saying. Thank God there's been a beautiful like recovery of this universal call to holiness and uh Lumen Gentium in the Second Vatican Council, but the church has always taught that, right? But there is a reality that celibacy and marriage complement one another because they're both looking for the good, right? But Jesus calls some of us to look for that higher good, like you're saying. Yeah, and Deacon Keating would respond to that by just simply saying, we're all going towards the same good. You know, marriage is a path of holiness. If you're called by God to celibacy, that's a path of holiness. Keating just simply points out, the celibate just gets there first. If he's holy. If he's holy, (laughs) right? If he's not going to hell. Um, The celibate is just maybe seeking a fast track, not because the detour of marriage is somehow bad, Mm. You know, we're, we're called on different paths of holiness, and we're given different missions. Um, so when we talk about like this, keeping our eyes fixed on this high source of beauty itself, as you point out, Father Travis, that's not a comparison towards those who are holy and those who are not holy. We're just simply pointing out the fruitfulness and, and the whole scope of what uh, the, the call to celibacy can provide. Yeah. That's all we're saying. Right? Does that make sense? It does. So obviously it's not wrong to marry. It's not wrong um, to find a companion. There's no sin in sexual union within marriage, you know, if it's done in a chaste and holy way, right? And if it's, re- if it's leading you to renew and represent your wedding vows to one another, beautiful. That's what God intends us to do. It is a mediation of the beauty that it was within God. Right. Yeah, praise God. And that, that mediation comes in the relationship, comes in the companionship, comes in the beauty of one's spouse um, through the complementarity of men and women, through the physical attraction that happens, through the connection of personalities, and, and, and sharing in that inner life with one another, and, and a physical life with one another. 
uh, and all of that's beautiful, and all of that's it's a holy thing. Um, we live in this hyper-sexualized culture that's telling everybody all the time, well, if you don't have orgasms like every day, something's wrong with you. Yeah, or you're definitely not going to be able to live life to the full unless it's part of it. Right. Um, which I think uh, equips us you know, quite powerfully uh, as celibates to actually speak into the hypersexualized world. You know, because we've mentioned this on the podcast all the time where, not all the time, but a few times, people have said, you know, well, you priests just don't understand. Like, we have needs and, and we have, you know, we have to be sexually active at all times. And it's like, do I strike you as depressed? Yeah. Do you remember that I'm a celibate? Am I weird in your eyes? Uh, the other thing, too, is like, uh, I remember Father Zach Jones said this when we were speaking at St. Ed's and Fort Dodge once. Uh, we, we, we ended up getting roped into, as you've experienced many, many times over the past eight years, like, like those just all day posted up in a library talking to every class. Oh, yeah. It is like, it, it's it, an endurance. It was exciting, test. like, at first. It's like, oh, cool. And then after the, the third class came in, we we're saying the same thing over and over again. We're like, oof. But Father Zach just said such a funny thing. He was talking about like he's like, yeah, I thought I thought priests were just pulled out of ground like old men, like orcs in Lord of the Rings, like they're just <laughs> dug up out of the ground or something. Yeah. Um, but that's the other thing too. It's like we came from the same hypersexualized culture, right? Like our experience of being like healed and restored by Jesus is being like coming from this really broken hypersexualized culture. Like mm-hmm. we've grown up in that. We've received wounds from the culture just like everybody else. Um, but then hopefully receiving a formation that's helping us be conformed more to Jesus, like in the celibacy that he lives and that he offers us, mm-hmm. um, that we can speak into it, back into it. Then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And because that our celibate lives are ordered towards the source of beauty, we're ordered towards God himself uh, and taking the church on as our bride, as male celibates, um, we can speak back into that hypersexualized culture and remind people that sexual pleasure is not the idol. Sexual pleasure is not the end in of itself. And for those who are married and are enjoying, you know, sexual union, all of that itself is ordered towards the higher good. Yeah, you know? any, and I've just found this, like any couple worth, <laughs> worth their salt. I mean, just like living a robust Christian life, they're going to be able to say that too. Like, oh, this is a wonderful part of my life, but this isn't the, this isn't the apex of my life. This isn't what I was made for. Like mm-hmm. this, this, is, this exhausts my existence as a human being. No, if, if somebody's living an integrated life, it's like, no, actually, like, it, it helps me realize that, man, I'm so lonely sometimes as a married person. Like, oh, wow, like, I'm not still satisfied, even if we, you know, come together as husband and wife every single day or something like that. Like, oh, wait, there's still a deeper longing in me. Why? Because, like, this is pointing towards something greater, pointing towards, towards something better, fuller, uh, you know, like a fuller satisfaction of our desires. Yeah, and, and even if even if they see that, uh, that doesn't minimize um, not only the, that internal call towards being in union with God, um, but it can also just point out how beautiful and rich that vocation is in and of itself. Yeah, not limited um, in the sense of what it can open up as horizons towards that that received beauty from the gift of a spouse, leading them towards you know the gift of a heavenly redeemer. Right. Um, so I think it's I think it's important for you know our listeners. You know, maybe in your life you might be discerning a religious vocation that as a man or a woman, God might be calling you to a celibate life. And you might be struggling with that. How Does this make me weird? Does this make me a freak show? Am I somehow um, 
deficient? Am I somehow asexual if I'm not running around drinking the Kool-Aid of a hypersexualized culture? And, and that, cre- that could create a, a, a great sense of anxiety or uh, self-consciousness within people who are discerning if they're called to celibacy. Uh, maybe someone who's already in married life is really questioning, you know, how does, how does my enjoyment of human beauty and human companionship point towards a greater source? And for those already in a celibate lifestyle, in priesthood, consecrated religious life, whatever, consecrated life on, on a variety of levels, whatever that might be, you know, I think they could ask themselves, are they envious of the union of married couples? Are they looking over their shoulder to what was left behind? And have they taken their eyes off the prize as to the great companionship of divine intimacy that they have been invited to enjoy? Yeah. You know That's what I'm saying? Good. I'm just like, I'm just kind of loving that. Right well, yeah. So I, I think this, this reaches several, you know, audience uh, groups. Yeah, it does. The married folks, those who are already celibate, those discerning that. It's just because the reality of celibacy has always been an experience of being outcast or sort of creating people who feel outcast from it, right? We can might think to some golden age where there was like this ideal of celibacy in the church, but I think always in the world, celibacy doesn't make sense without Jesus, right? It doesn't make sense without some sort of direction toward um, toward heaven, right? Toward this fulfillment of this divine intimacy that we're all made for, right? That the celibate is kind of as like a signpost pointing toward the fulfillment of the of the goods of this world, but to their source, like you said, to start this podcast off. But that's always an experience of being outcast from the world, right? And Deacon Keating, uh, in his book, Remain in Me, right? Um, remain with me, remain in me, I believe. Um, he speaks of that, that there's, especially today, this misunderstanding of who the priest is as a celibate man in the life of the world. And we feel that. Like, people don't often realize this, but like when we walk around in, in collars, uh, in Roman in Roman uh, clerics or uh, or a cask or something like that, there's no neutral stares or like there's always eye contact by every single person, and it's either like intrigue or kind of just like uncomfortability horror. or disgust or horror. <laughs> but it's funny because people don't often. You've probably done this too. It, it, something similar happens with like military uh, walking around fatigues, you know. But especially with priests, because it's like the reality of celibacy that the collar conveys that doesn't make sense in the midst of the world, especially in the midst of a super secular culture. That's exciting for us when we think about evangelization because it's always a foot in the door. What the heck is going on with that guy? Why are you living this life? Mm-hmm. Um, and I always think it's hilarious when people, <laughs> you talk to him for like two minutes at a coffee shop. They're like, so you really can't have sex? And I'm like, are you getting any? I mean, are we already talking about this? <laughs> like in this level of our conversation? It's just escalated quickly. I don't even know your first name, but I suppose I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but it's funny. It like, it begs the question because we're living in such a way that's countercultural, Right. But it's always creating this experience of being outcast, right? So it's Jesus was outcast because of this life that he lived that was directed toward heaven. As priests, as religious, as consecrated men and women, there's this experience of being outcast from the world, but then the world feeling kind of outcast from this teaching of the church because there's a lot of misunderstanding all the way around. Mm-hmm. Well said. I don't know who's going to keep asking you about, you know, <laughs> your intimacy levels at a coffee shop without even learning one another's names. But if that keeps happening, I'm sure you'll keep giving credible witness to the church. You know, it, it happens more than you'd think. Yeah. Maybe at the bars more so than the coffee shops. Okay. That's where you do your best pastoral ministry. Absolutely. Work in the bars. Work in the bars. So to anyone who's listening, if this hasn't made sense yet, if we're sorry, we'll try better next time. But uh, just in general, just to kind of recap, uh, 
as Deacon Keating said, you know, in that quote from the beginning of this episode, what is the ultimate source of beauty that we're aiming towards? And what journey is the Lord inviting you towards? If he's calling you to a life of, of consecrated religious vows and promises, great. Embrace that, you know, and keep your eyes fixed on the source of all beauty. And that is going to keep guiding you and, and summoning you towards your eternal homeland. And if he's calling you to a married life, great. It can be holy and sanctified and you will light the world on fire through that love. And the, and the love mediated and the beauty mediated through your spouse is going to keep pointing you towards that ultimate source of beauty. Uh, so we thank uh, Deacon Jim Keating down in St. Louis for kind of his wisdom, his insights, his commitment to the church. He, he continues to inspire us. He likes to make us laugh. He does. And uh, keep discerning celibacy out there. And if everybody wants to become a priest of the Diocese of Sioux City, let me know because I'm the new vocation director. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.